Hello and welcome to the Alan Parry Podcast, episode 17. We've had a little bit of a break for Christmas, but now we're back for the new year with a brand new experimental format. Now, in the past, I've been interviewing other people, but for the next few podcasts, as a little bit of a trial, I'm going to be bringing in co-hosts in order to have a shared conversation with me about some of the things that I'm blogging about or writing about in my music too. So today we're going to be joined by my co-host, Emma Baird. Hi, Al. I'm here to uh, talk to you about one of your passions today. Is that okay? Yeah, that's good. Okay, good. What are we talking about? Okay, so uh, what I wanted to talk to you about was something that uh, you do a lot of reading and a lot of studying about and a lot of thinking about, and it's called nonviolent communication. And um, I just wanted you, firstly, you know, to say what is nonviolent communication or NVC for short. What would you say is its purpose? Um, well, NVC was was founded by a guy named Marshall Rosenberg, who sadly sadly has passed away. Um, and it was basically a way of <clears throat> coming up with a form of communication where we didn't blame the other for um, the feelings that we had. And the idea being that if we can kind of um, connect with each other on a feelings and needs level, which of course are universal because we all have the same feelings, we all have the same needs as human beings, that if we were to do that, then we would establish enough connection and give each other enough empathy to lead to that connection that we can all end up getting our needs met. So it's a it's a very alive process because what tends to happen is that we see other people as the uh, as the cause of our problems and and that's a very um, it, it's a it's a very poverty driven way of of doing it really because if I if I have a a feeling an emotion or whatever whether it be sadness or anger or whatever and I label somebody else as the cause then it lacks the richness of connecting to me. If I connect to me, then what I find, rather than just kind of um, going on a, a narrow band really and saying, well, that's the reason that person over there named Fred is the reason uh, for all my problems. Instead, I begin to connect with what's alive in me and I start to get in touch with my own feelings and my own needs. And I think in our culture um, where... We're not very good, really, at at being in touch. I mean, when I started doing this, I, I found it really difficult and still do um, trying to get in touch with what my feelings and needs actually are. So there's a whole kind of self-education going on in terms of feelings and needs literacy. But essentially, I connect to what's alive in me at that moment. So instead of putting all the, the, um, the problem on, on Fred and saying Fred is the issue, instead what, what can happen then is I can start to connect with myself and I'll think, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling hopeless, I'm feeling discouraged, I'm feeling angry. And that's all as a result of some needs that I have that aren't being met. And once I can connect to those needs and realize that I'm feeling sad, hopeless and angry because say I have a need for community or I have a need for belonging or whatever it happens to be, whatever of these universal human needs that it happens to be, once I connect with that, I'm actually in a position then to start making requests of myself and of the world in order to get those needs met. So it's much more powerful 
to go into what's alive and connect with what's alive within than to blame poor old Fred over there. So in it, if I can summarise, an NVC is a way of thinking about your own feelings and needs and connecting with that as a way to, if you like, avoid blaming others for your feelings. So you kind of like take ownership of your own feelings and, and identify your feelings and needs um, and and disassociate that as as being caused by somebody else. Yeah, but it's not a, it's not kind of the the objective isn't to stop blaming other people. Although that's a that's a very pleasant byproduct. Um, so it's not done as a way to do that. It's done as a way of ensuring that when you actually connect to your needs and make them known, um, people are far more likely to hear those needs and get them met. So, for instance, if I were to call Fred an idiot. Fred's defences go up and at that point my needs are far harder to be heard and responded to by Fred than if I simply connected to my feelings and needs and shared them with Fred with a request because what Marshall Rosenberg um, advocated was that and people will recognise this in their own lives that one of the things that we most like to do and which makes life most wonderful for us is making life wonderful for other people, is contributing to the well-being of other people. And uh, there's a lot of studies, actually, since Marshall has said this, that the talks about this, the talks about how good it is for our own well-being when we help others, when we contribute to the richness of somebody else's life. So I'm giving Fred in that moment an opportunity because I'm sharing with him something very vulnerable with me. I'm telling him how I feel, what are the things I need, and then I'm I'm telling him exactly how he can make my life wonderful. And so what Marshall was saying is that if I call Fred an idiot or or or, or blame him for something, he called those kind of judgments a tragic expression of an unmet need. And what he meant by that is that all of this, it might have been stimulated by Fred, but Fred isn't the cause. What's really the cause is my own unmet needs. And yet I'm expressing those unmet needs in a way that makes it far harder for the world to hear those needs and makes them far, um, makes other people in the world far less desiring to meet those needs. Cool, good. Mm. Uh, how did you come across... Uh, NVC and Marshall Rosenberg yourself what was that personal journey that you were on that that brought it to your attention in the first place well I, I actually started studying psychotherapy myself about maybe three or four years ago had quite a troubled journey with it um, I was attracted to I was attracted to it because I'd read some things around transactional analysis and um, which is a form of psychotherapy and Eric Byrne, the founder of that, seemed to be, you know, he, he seemed to be motivated by the same kind of egalitarianism. So I was very attracted to the to the way of doing that because my vision of therapy was always that there's two therapists in the room, one of which is colloquially referred to as the client. So I, I was drawn to that and I started studying that. But I found that I found a lot of examples where that power with sort of model, if I can call it that, wasn't really being played up to in practice and I found a lot of examples where there was power over so I become very disillusioned with that but maintained an interest in the topic and I encountered Marshall Rosenberg on YouTube and really what I saw Marshall doing in his workshops is 
and and not just in his workshops, but this is what we do in everyday life when we practice nonviolent communication, is we're simply facilitating other people connecting to their feelings and needs. So I'll give you for instance there. If somebody expresses some dissatisfaction with me, I can either hear that through traditional um, tragic unmet need expression, you know, somebody calling me an idiot or somebody somebody yelling at me or somebody saying something about how wrong I am. Or I can filter that through nonviolent communication and instead of hearing all those things, I can instead try and connect with that other person's feelings and needs and then empathically respond. Now, I'm not saying that's always easy because our defences go up, but you can see that even in that situation, if someone is is telling me how wrong I am and how awful I've been, if I can connect to their feelings and needs and make a guess at them to that person, then we enter into a conversation that's got a very different energy, even if I guess it wrong. So if you're unhappy with me and I were to say, instead of getting defensive, I filtered that through a feelings and needs language, I might respond by saying, um, it sounds like you're feeling really angry at the moment because you have a need for participation in this project and even if I guess if I guess right that that's very disarming and they're likely to go yeah that's right and and then we have a conversation around that and I can ask them then you know what it is that would would meet that need and we can have a conversation around the need level and if I'm wrong it doesn't matter because in the first instance what it does is it shows them that I'm open to that conversation but secondly by guessing wrong, what they will probably do is correct me. And they'll say, yeah, I am feeling angry, but it's not because of that. It's because of this. And so they will actually give me the, the need. So we start having a, a very different conversation. So not just in the therapy room, but in life. You know, Marshall worked in like Rwanda and, and these big sort of um, war hotspots. The point really is to work to connect yourself to your own feelings and needs and then in discussions with other people, try and help other people to do the same as well. So um, let's think about, you know, you know, let's give let's give listeners some concrete examples here. Or, or, you know, I, you know, a listener might want to use NVC in their own life, maybe with their partner or maybe with uh, their boss or, you know, they, they and they need a, maybe a little bit of scaffolding just to hold on to what can I say when I'm in, in an emotionally charged situation you know when my wife is blaming me for something or my boss is yelling at me for not doing such and such a project it's an emotionally charged situation what is it that I can hold on to and use in that moment that is true to NVC well I think there's a couple of things I mean the first thing I'd say is this is difficult you know Marshall gave his kind of formula if you like for NVC and he finished it off by saying, and it's as simple and as complicated as that. So it's like a game, really, that's easy to play but difficult to master. So don't expect to get it right every time. I think there's a couple of things you could do in that situation. Sometimes um, self not saying anything is a good idea because then you can self-empathize, and that's sometimes what, what one would need in that situation. But secondly, wherever you're capable, and of course, we're all human, so it won't happen every time, but wherever you're capable... Try to um, divorce yourself from what they're thinking and from what they're saying and connect instead with what you are guessing that they're feeling and needing in that situation. So give an example. Um, let's think. 
So if somebody says, for instance, um, let's, say I'm a, let's say I'm in a work situation, and this is coming off the top of my head. So let somebody were to come and say, you know, I'm, I'm really sick of you. I'm sick of the way that uh, every time we have a meeting, um, your voice is the loudest, and you always think that you're right, and you're not always right. There are other people at the room, in the room who've got more wisdom than you. Well, I could respond quite defensively, and I think people typically would. But if I separate what they're thinking and saying about me and, and put their judgments to one side and think, okay, every judgment is just the tragic expression of an unmet need. So in that moment, I would try and connect to their feelings and needs. So I might say, it sounds like you're really angry and discouraged at the moment because you also have a need for contribution and for participation and to simply be heard in those environments. And then what you would do is to keep the conversation going, once you've actually done that very, very quickly, he said, don't don't say too many things without asking a question back. Very quickly, I might say something like, would you be willing to tell me what you heard me say? And that just clarifies then whether they've they've actually heard that. And hopefully what will happen um, eventually, if not on the first round, you know, they'd probably be expecting an argument there, but instead I've shown that I cared about what they were actually um, concerned about. And I've, I've met them at the most important level to meet anybody, which is at their feelings and needs. So at that point, they'll probably say, yeah, that's right. I, 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 do, I do feel that way. I do have something to contribute. Now, once we've actually clarified what their needs are, they can either make a request of me or... I can invite them to, I might say something, what would meet your need for participation and to be seen or heard next time that we have a meeting? What is it that I could actually do in order to to help with that? You know, I mean, it's, a cha- it's very challenging. I can see why you're saying, you know, uh, this is a, a practice that is difficult to master because, you know, you're naturally, one's naturally... It feels defensive yeah. if somebody's accusing you of such and such. And actually, sometimes a lot of people don't come out with, with, with accusations like, you're an idiot. Straight, They don't say things like that. They'll say yeah. things like, could you not just put the cup in the dishwasher? You know, they'll yeah. say something sideways, you know, or something. Yeah. So it's it, it's naturally going to be feeling defensive in that moment. It's emotionally charged. You'll feel blamed. You'll feel... Yeah you know, maybe pissed off that there's something emotional stuff going on that's not being said, you know, all that. So to cut to the chase and say, I'm guessing that you're feeling frustrated because, and then take a guess at a need. And I mean, that's quite a challenge. It's a challenge and it doesn't really have to be that formulaic either, you know, in terms of the, the saying of it. There's, you know, you can you can say it back in any way, but the important thing is that you connect Um so if this isn't going to be an argument, if this isn't going to be a dispute, but this is going to be a way for everybody's needs to get met. And I think that's really important, actually, because it might sound as though I'm going to be a doormat to this person in work or a doormat to the person who's yelling, yelling at me about the cup. But in actual fact, 
what by getting the other person's needs on the table and then you can bring your needs you can then negotiate a win-win situation which is why marshall was successful working with warring tribes and all this sort of stuff and warring peoples across the world so the idea is to get both um, all needs met my own and yours you know across the table so it's not just about pandering to somebody else's needs it's about talking about your needs talking about my needs and then hey can we get can we can we get them both met here yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. What was that light bulb moment then when you first came across Marshall? I, I mean, I remember uh, you posting on Facebook a couple of, I mean, a couple of years ago and it, it was just this thing that came up. It said, oh my God, watch this and this is amazing. And it was a link to a Marshall Rosenberg video on, on YouTube. You know, it was about, f- I don't know, four hours long or something. Yeah. Um. So what was that? What what was that light bulb moment? How, 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 what, what was it that spoke to you so strongly and about, about with him? Well, in the first instance, I recognize me. So he talks about the way we've been trained to be judgmental and blamey. And I recognize myself in it. What, um, insofar as you recognize that you judgy blame others or yourself? Well, or of both? course we all do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're all, we're all brought up in that way. We, yeah. we, we, we leap to that. So I recognized aspects of myself within who, who practices that blamey culture I still I still think I do but I mean NVC is a is a life practice but we we won't always get it right so you know this is this is a long-standing sort of training that our society um puts on us and for those who are politically minded as well one of the things that I found quite profound in terms of what Marshall said is that Initially, I thought, does this let the people in power and in authority off the hook? Is this a way where we be kind of become doormats to them? But what he said that was really profound that struck a chord with me is that domination societies don't really want us to connect with our own needs. That's a very powerful thing. But what Marshall is, is talking about is he says, you know, a, a king doesn't want all their slaves to be connected to their own needs. They want them to be judging other people. They want them to accept authority because they need to do things out of obligation and out of duty and and because they'll be punished for it. And this is one of the things that I, I found quite profound in, in Marshall's teaching is that he was saying that we should never do anything out of obligation or duty. We should always choose to do the things that we do for a reason that actually gives us meaning in some way. And he argued very strongly that... Um, by trying to guilt trip people into doing something or by trying to use authority and say you should you know you should do this because we've said so and if you don't do it we'll punish you or if you do do it that will reward you because if you'd reward as kind of a flip side of punishment that ultimately we all pay for that because resentment and um, brews up and all of this sort of thing um so he was really into people taking responsibility for their own needs and he saw the power in that Uh, I think Marsha was quite a politically active person himself and he saw the power of a citizenry who were actually connected to their own needs rather than being very easily persuaded into blaming other people. And you only have to look at the landscape that we live in at the moment, how people in political authority and political power are able to, to help us judge other people as a way of staying divorced from our own needs. There's a, there's a big immigration debate at the moment, for instance, and one of the things that people 
are doing is they're looking at their situation, realizing that it's it's very discouraging and and there's a there's a lot of their own needs that are not being met, and they're blaming say immigrants, whether that's in America or here or in various parts of Europe, they're blaming other people for it. What would be more powerful, I think, is that if people connected to the needs that they actually had, because if they could connect to the needs that they actually have, rather than being persuaded to to blame others and judge others. If they regarded that as a as a tragic expression of unmet needs, they may well connect to the fact that what they actually need is, um, you know, freedom from poverty or you know participation in the community or, um, you know, things in terms of like good housing or or hope or opportunities. You know, whatever that is for each individual person, they would actually connect to those needs. And once you connect to those needs. You are actually able then to make an assertive request, not a demand, but an assertive request in order to get those needs met. So what is more powerful, pointing over and blaming, say, at the immigrant or the person on welfare or actually connecting to those needs and expressing them with a very, very direct request? I think it's the latter. I mean, this sort of um, merges into a question I was going to ask you about what do you think, how, how do you think the world would look different if nvc was mainstream practice i think if it was mainstream practice i think i think it would be a world where more often than not everybody's needs would get met and we're all human and we're all flawed and none of us are perfect and all that sort of stuff so i'm i'm sure it wouldn't happen all of the time but i think we'd all be on a journey with the aim of getting everybody's needs met and most of the time we would succeed i honestly believe that I mean, my, my value is that I want everybody's needs to be met, not just the financial needs, but the other needs as well. And I think we have the resources and the imagination to do that. And I think if we all practiced this form of communication and this form of thinking, really, um, then it would be far more likely that everybody's needs were met. I think it would be a much more peaceful world as well, because when people were angry with each other, we would be skilled at being able to get to the nub of that and the nub of that is always empathy really if somebody is you know if somebody has some sort of fear or anger or distressing emotion or whatever it happens to be at the core of that if you can empathize with that there are going to be feelings and there are going to be unmet needs that could actually be worked with and once all of those needs are out on the table i think we've got the resources and the imagination to have a win-win situation and if you have a win-win situation, there's no conflict because there's no conflict at the needs level. These are universal human needs. We all have them. So if you could just, you know, uh, uh, give, give, a, give a listener just one little bit of advice, um, say to a listener, say like they want, wanted to talk to a loved one about something that's been burning away at them for ages or maybe they wanted to talk... Um, to a to their parent or their boss or something it was something that was burning in them and it was been bothering them for ages but what they wanted was an empathetic um conversation what they wanted to achieve was a conversation where they could communicate their feelings to their loved one or boss or whatever and it not end up in a resentful blamey row thing um they wanted an empathy conversation what what was the what's the 
couple of things that you could say to that listener to 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 put into it to put into action well the first thing i'd say is never use this to try and change anybody else never get somebody to do something so your aim of that conversation is not to get the other person to behave in a particular way even if it's empathically you know so nvc is not about changing other people the goal of nvc is always to try and connect so it might well be that you have to lead um, that empathic conversation and take it in that direction so his kind of like marshall's four-step formula for for doing that the very first thing that you would do if you wanted that sort of conversation you wanted this kind of practice in your life is begin with observation and begin by noticing what actually is and what i mean by that is it's very easy to mix in some sort of evaluation with what we're noticing so as a for instance i might say um you know she's not done the dishes again because she doesn't care about me so she obviously doesn't love me or or whatever you know if this then that um you can notice things and put stories around it and put judgments on the thing that you're noticing clear that away just focus on what is so what the, you'd say is the dishes haven't been done again yeah, yeah, something like that. I mean, what you're talking about, what we're trying to do is have a way of communicating where there's no conflict at any point. So the person might say to that person, I notice that the dishes haven't been done today. Or is that like a concrete yeah, example of a behaviour? That's fine because that. both parties would agree on that. Yeah. And so there's no conflict on this first level. Whereas I say, I notice you've been a lazy sod again and not done the dishes then you got conflict. Yeah, because that might have, in there there's and judgment in there. and all of that. Yeah. So what you're saying is the fir the first step is just to 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 observe a fact. I noticed the dishes haven't been done. That's right. Right, that's step 1. Right, step 2. Step 2 is where you would then get in touch with what you feel about that. Mm. Now, the feeling has to be an emotion because what people will often do is they'll they'll say something like I feel that you're a lazy sod or I feel that you've misunderstood me or I feel as though you're neglecting me. So now, they're all feelings about you, you, you. Well, they're, they're actually judgments. They're head things then. It's like what they really mean there is I'm interpreting that you're neglecting me. What they want to talk about really in a feeling is, is what their emotions are about that. So you might say, I notice that the dishes aren't done. I'm feeling, um, I'm feeling discouraged and and angry maybe um so that would be step two step two and straight away you would you would connect those feelings not with the other person but with yourself so those two things come together the feeling and need so you might say something like i'm feeling discouraged and angry because i have a need for support and order and um beauty within the household um, and contribution and so these are all kind of needs I'm not saying I'm feeling angry because you're a lazy sod I'm saying I'm feeling angry because I have unmet needs after all if you didn't have those needs you wouldn't care about the dishes mm. not being washed you only have you only feel angry because you do have those needs absolutely you know I mean, and they're being unmet if you have a need for order and 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 beauty in the in the house yeah and those needs aren't being met and the consequences of that is that you're going to feel angry or upset or well this is it because a totally different person might not have those needs yeah 
And you can imagine a situation where the dishes are unwashed and another person just doesn't care. It doesn't register. They've got different needs that they're satisfying. So this is this is another reason why someone else's behavior can only ever be the stimulus because the real cause are your unmet needs. Cool. So that's step, step one, observe a, a fact. Without evaluating like a it. a behavioral yeah. fact without, yeah. without judgment. Step two, say how you feel about that. And that feeling, it has to be a feeling that you have, not a, an emotion. An yeah. emotion. Step three, connect that in emotion with a need. That's right. It could be more than one need that, yeah. that, that is currently being unmet. And what's the next step? The final one is to make a direct request in positive action language. So the direct request is basically, I've now been vulnerable and shared with you what I'm needing most. And I'm now giving you the opportunity to see if you would be willing. And it's always a request, not a demand. A demand is is something that's going to be followed, followed by some sort of punishment or reward. Um, so it's always a request. The other person can say no, and then we have to... Well, we'll come to that in a second, actually. What so would you be no? willing is a, is a good um, beginning of a, of, a, of, a, of a question, isn't it? Would you be willing to blah, 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 because that's that, a request. That's a nice way of doing it, but you could actually phrase it in that way and still punish the other person if they said no. You sure. know, I could say, would you be willing to do that? And they might say no, and then I go off in a huff. The moment I go off in a huff, I've proven that it was never a request that they were free to say no to. It was actually a demand. Mm -hmm. But we'll come to that in a moment because it's, it's probably clouding things a little bit. At this final level, you simply make your request to the other person or of yourself sometimes. It doesn't have to be the other person. And it might even be to someone else. You might go away and talk to someone and get empathy off someone. It depends what that is. But you would make a request of the world or somebody in it, including yourself, what would actually meet those needs so in the situ in the context of this imaginary uh you know washing up situation yeah. what 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 might that sound like well i might say something like i noticed that the um that the dishes aren't washed um and i'm feeling really discouraged and um a bit cross about that because i have a real need um for support in the running of the household and I wonder if you'd be willing to um, to contribute to that by washing those dishes. And, and that's a request for the other person to say yes or no to. And then they can say yes or no to it. And so in that sense, what I'm actually doing, instead of saying, you lazy sod, look what's happened, blah de blah and then you get into it and then their defences go up and they're, I'm not a lazy sod, you're the one, and then we've got conflict. And how can anyone's needs be met in the middle of a war zone? They just don't. You have to connect a, a feelings level. So at that point, I'm actually being vulnerable and I'm giving the other person the opportunity to do the thing that we all want to do most, if we can, which is to contribute to somebody else's well-being, to actually be in a position where you have an opportunity to meet somebody's needs and enrich their life is what Marshall believes that at our core we all want. Because um, he says something along the lines of, um, t you know, the aim or whatever is for people to give with the the joy that a child gives bread to a duck. Yeah, kind absolutely. Of thing. Yeah. So you does it the the, the there's a willingness to contribute. There's a joy about contributing to somebody else's well-being or welfare or whatever. That that yeah, that that's a really important thing. Yeah, which is why he says don't do, never do anything out of obligation or duty. Um, that you do things because it gives you meaning, and one of those things that might give you meaning is the is the opportunity to actually 
enrich another person's life. Which I suppose brings us to the question of what happens if somebody does say no? Because I think this is a. I was just going to say that one. that's the elephant in the room, and it? it's like, what if you've said all this lovely, beautiful thing about feelings and needs and dishes and blah, and then the person just says, "Well, I don't see it like that. I, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm not going to do them dishes." No. Yeah, and I think this is why um, MVC is not about when, when people think, you know, I tried MVC, it didn't work. What they mean in that moment is it, it didn't work. Is usually what they're meaning is. You know, it didn't get the other person to do the thing that I wanted them to do. And that's not the purpose of MVC. The purpose of MVC is to make a sufficiently rich connection with another person that everyone's needs get on the table and all of those needs get met. So if I were to ask that and the other person were to just basically say no, what Marshall talks about in order to get those needs on the table so we can see what they are and, and, and try and meet everyone's needs is he says, always look for the yes behind the no. So if our biggest joy is to contribute to another person's well-being, then when somebody is saying no, they're not being selfish or obstinate or any of these judgments we might place upon people. What they're actually doing is they're saying yes to something else. So they're saying no because they're saying yes to some other need that they're having to satisfy. What could that be in that context? Well, it might be, for instance, that they would be happy to do it, but then they don't want to do it right now because they've got something else that they're really eager to do in terms of their schedule. Um, so they might have a need for autonomy there. They might they might be feeling to themselves, I'm happy to do the dish, but I'm, I'm not happy to do it because you've told me to. I've got X, Y, and Z to do, and then... Um, in the in the the list to do list in my mind, the dishes is on there. They will get done, um, but they'll but it's get pretty done. low down in the list because their need for for to do X Y Z is higher. Yeah, they they need to um, they 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 might just need to meet their own schedule. They might need the autonomy that comes from being able to do that, and so they might be in full agreement with with. Um, you know, they might be saying, yes, I'll do the dish, for instance, but they they might, for instance, be thinking, I'll do it when I'm ready to do it. So it might get done in two and a half hours time. And so that's OK. So whatever that is, that would be a need for autonomy in that case. But if you look for the yes behind the no, when somebody says no, you've got some tools then to explore what it is they're saying is yes they to instead. To, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you might say... Um, are you saying no to that because you have a need for autonomy and to do things in your own time? And remember that you can guess these needs. That's okay, and it still shows that you're open to that sort of connection, and you're still having a conversation around the needs level. And people will just correct you if you're wrong. They'll say, no, it's not because of that. It's because I have a need for this instead. Now, you might not be able to get the dishwash by that person, the point of MVC isn't to control another person and, and make them do something that you want them to do. But the chances of everyone's needs getting met when they're out on the table and you're having a, a non-violence, non-conflict discussion about what those needs are, where I'm caring about what your needs are and you're caring about what my needs are, that is far more likely to result in everyone's needs getting met than people being at war. That makes sense. Um, what's an example of, 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 of how you've applied NVC in your own life? Give an example of when it worked for you. 
Well, it depends what you mean by worked again. Like, like that you managed to connect and communicate feelings and needs and that everybody's needs was met. Um, well, I've, I've noticed that um, I used to get quite cross when I contacted customer support things and tech support things. Um Especially when I felt as though often when you, you you'll contact and people I'm sure have had this thing you'll you'll contact tech support and there's like a list of standard answers and and it it doesn't it doesn't seem sometimes as though um, they're really hearing what you've said and they're coming back with something else and it's very clear that that wasn't really the answer to my question and instead of getting cross what I will often do is use this technique to explain what happened and exp and say how I'm feeling and say that I'm really needing support at the moment and make a, a direct request and keep things on that level. Can you put that into words? Okay. Um, so I might say, um, so first of all, I've got to do a, a straightforward notice in no evaluation. So I might say something like, um, I noticed that when I asked blah, 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 your answer was X, Y, Z. And I noticed that that answer isn't related to my question directly. And I'm feeling anxious at the moment um, because I, I really need your support uh, on this issue in order to get this task done. And I wonder if you'd be willing to reread my initial question and come up with an answer which is able to answer my problem. That sounds brilliant. It sounds very, dis you know, it was sort of disarming as well because, you know, if, if, if tech support or whatever is on some sort of standardised um, call and response kind of thing, you know, and, and the, essentially what they want to do is get you off the line, you know, but, but, but sort of coming in on that level saying, I, I, you know, I'm feeling this and I know, or I notice that I feel this, or I, you know, I, the thing is I've got a need to do blah, blah, blah. Would you be willing to, it would just be very disarming, I imagine. Well, I remember a story that I, I heard from somebody who wasn't actually practicing MVC consciously, but actually was. And in his situation, this is, this is a guy from uh, across the water in Canada. He was contacted by their income tax people, I think it was. Um, and they were closing his business down. So he got this phone call to say, right, you owe this amount of money, and we're closing the business down. And it would be a common response, I think, to to feel so anxious about that, and it'd be such a, a, a terrific kind of um, life moment that, that your livelihood, your means of livelihood are being shut down, that one would respond in a very aggressive manner. But Quite he, angrily, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't do that. He actually said, you know, I'm, I guess, he, he empathised, he said, you know, I guess this must feel awful to be the person to make a phone call like this. And he started empathising with them. And he just got a very different response. I can't remember the end of the story there, but I think mm. his business was actually saved because they, they they were in a different sort of relationship together. But even if it wasn't, you know, ultimately this is another human being. Um and his response was a very empathic one. So I th I think it I think it does help in terms of just making the world tick along in a in a much nicer way. And you've had success yourself, haven't you, with tech support and when you've when you've 
used NVC. Yeah, and that's a very impersonal way. I think that I do it more with the people that I know as well. And I notice that when I'm in situations, even with friends that are quite fraught, I've been able to use this mechanism, this 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 way of thinking and feeling and then communicating in order to um in order to connect with them rather than have a big problem with them instead. And I mean, what what do you find the most challenging or difficult aspects of putting MVC into practice? Because I imagine that what you've just said, for example, more personal um with relations, relationships with friends and family etc it must be quite challenging well it is and this is why um marshall listed those four steps of observe and feel need and then request and he listed them and said it's as simple and as complicated as that it really is you know ultimately when your emotions are running high it can be quite difficult to do this um so i think that's the biggest challenge the biggest challenge is that we've we've had decades worth of training where We've been taught that the reason why um, we feel the way we do is because other people have caused it. And of course, they never do that. They may well be the stimulus, but the cause is always the unmet needs within us. This is why, for instance, you can be ignored at a party and feel angry, but be ignored by a person you don't want to talk to and feel quite relieved. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. How would you persuade someone to check out NVC? Like, like what's What's the most persuasive thing that you could say? to a friend who who wanted to relate differently to people in his life what would you say it's funny i have a, I have a funny relationship with persuasion um i'm not sure i would necessarily persuade anybody to to try and do anything um i think probably what i would do is if i I think I would connect with somebody's needs rather than try and persuade them. I don't think it's my job to persuade anyone of anything. Okay, well, not persuade then. We'll advocate. Well, I think what I would do is if somebody was experiencing um, issues in their life um, that I felt as though MVC would would help would help them and, and make a contribution to, to their life, I think I would go through the same process. I would notice whatever those problems were you know they might come to me and say this has happened and I might say I noticed that you're in a situation where such and such is happening um and I would probably either guess at their feelings and needs um or I would share my own and I'd have a connecting conversation and at the end of it I might well suggest that they take a look at NVC I might say something like um I think this way of communication might really help to meet those needs and here's where you can find out more if you'd like to. Great. And that was my last question was where can people find out about well, NVC and Marshall Rosenberg? Where would they start? Well, there's a great book. Well, actually, the first place you could start is if you've listened to this podcast and, you, and you'd, you'd like to hear more, there was a, a podcast that I'll link to um, going back a couple of episodes with an NVC trainer called Sarah Ludford. So we have a conversation about nonviolent communication as well. So that would deepen understanding, I think. If you wanted to go um, from the horse's mouth, then luckily you can. Um, there's a number of books available. The one that I really recommend is Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. But the thing that's been most enriching for me in terms of really understanding this in a much better way than I did just from the book is watching Marshall in practice. Because... 
you can see him then working with students and helping them understand some of the kind of pitfalls that the people fall into. When people start off with NBC, they will often fall into things like, I feel that you're an idiot, or I feel that you're ignoring me, and, and confusing emotions with thinking things. Or they might connect the other person's feelings um, with themselves as the cause. So I'm guessing you're really angry because I didn't do that. And so you'll see Marshall in the course of these workshops on YouTube just kind of break that down, breaking that down and, and steering people into the, the way that he thinks it would be more beneficial. So if somebody just Googled Marshall Rosenberg on uh, YouTube, they'd find his yeah, videos. They would, but also I'll, I'll put the one that I started with in the show notes and I'll also put a link to his book as well. Um, there is actually a centre for nonviolent communication that people might want to look up, so I'll put a link to that as well. One of the things that I found most challenging, actually, I said the emotion of it, but to, to add something else, is simply that I I didn't and I still don't particularly have a very good grasp of what my own feelings and needs might be. And one of the things that's really that I found really helpful is that the Centre for Nonviolent Communication, which Marshall founded, actually has like a feelings list and needs list. They're in the book as well, actually. Give a few examples because you've got the list in front of you there. Okay, so there's things like we have a need for connection or a need for physical well-being or a need for honesty or play or peace or autonomy or meaning. And you can break those down, you know, so you can have a need for appreciation, a need for belonging, a need for companionship, uh, a need for food, um, a need for water or or safety and shelter, a need for joy, a need for integrity. Um, people have a need for equality or ease or inspiration even, or a need for freedom, choice, spontaneity. A lot. <laughs> There's lots and lots of needs but here. But you're right, we're not au fait with the language, the vocabulary of feelings and needs. We're not familiar with it. It's like we're, like as Marshall Rosenberg says, we are conditioned and trained to be cut off from our own emotions and our own needs and and this goes back to what i was saying at the very beginning of the conversation is that to just blame the other person robs us of all the real richness that we can find from connecting with ourselves because i've just said a few of these things here and you can see how rich a language it is when we connect to our own needs and how you think you see the reason why it's non-violent is because i can actually get these needs met in a way that doesn't harm other people. But if I think Fred is the problem, as I said at the beginning, well, one of the potential ways that I can solve that problem is to eliminate Fred. And that's what happens with genocide, and that's what happens with uh, all sorts of violence that happens in the world, that once we actually identify other people as the problem, eliminating them becomes quite an attractive option. Marshall talks about enemy, Im enemy images, doesn't he? That we all have enemy images of people. That's right, and I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me as well, because as someone who's been a political person, I've certainly held enemy images of people who don't share my political view, and I've branded them mean and selfish and callous. What Marshall would actually say is that when they say no to my needs, they're actually saying yes to other needs of their own. Um, and so I've become much more alienated with that kind of language that you see in political discourse that refers to other human beings as scum uh, and other such words 
just because I disagree with them. And I've, I've done it myself. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, a saint in this at all. I wrote a, a comedy song called Oh, Mr. Cameron when David Cameron was prime minister. And the chorus said, Oh, Mr. Cameron, please don't think me mean, but I think we should bring back the guillotine. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm no angel in terms of this, but I noticed that since I've been engaging with nonviolent communication, that my, my, I have a sense of pain around that language now. Um, and I would, I would much prefer if people were connecting with the richness of their own needs, because I think those needs are going to be met much more readily if they do that, because then you can actually make requests based on what those needs are. Ultimately, if you remove David Cameron, as has happened now, or you remove a whole section of society, or, you know, you remove Donald Trump or whatever, that's that's probably not going to meet the need that you had in and of itself. So eradicating other people, often violently, is tends to be the way that... Um, as a society, we can be very tempted to go into. I think and also, if, you don't you don't just mean literally eliminate, as in kill people. What you're talking about, you can mentally eliminate someone by judging them to be evil or bad or scum or not worth your time. You know, so there's a kind of mental elimination as well that you can that you that can, yeah, but can occur. It makes the violent stuff much more tempting if you if I mean there was a case that Marshall gave and. Um, you know, he, he uses this example to talk about positive action language, which I didn't go into before. Positive action language is where um, you you tell people what it is that you would like them to do as opposed to stop doing this or stop doing that. Um, because if you do the stop, it leaves a million different other options. So a school brought him in and said, you know, what we really want is the um, is the children to stop breaking the windows. And he says, easy, kill them. And of course, that would have been a solution, um, but it's not a good solution, is it? You know, there are other ways of, of mm -hmm. doing that. So this is why using positive action language as well makes a much more assertive request where you're actually giving people the real tools. So you're not just saying to someone, clean up your room. You're saying, I'd like you to make your bed and I'd like you to take the dishes back from your bedroom to the kitchen and wash them up. These are very clear things that people know exactly what it is that they can do in order to contribute to the wonderfulness of your life. That sounds great. You've had a real a real journey with NVC and it's obviously still an ongoing journey. Um I feel And I'm like... still getting it wrong. <laughs> and so anyone who tries it who 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 falls down the hole of going back to this well versed, well trained way, you know, be easy on yourself because remember Marshall's words, it's as simple and as complicated as that. And even Marshall would get it wrong too. You've been listening to the Alan Parry podcast. Big thanks to Emma Baird for guiding me through that conversation as my co-host on today's episode. Let's know what you think of the new format. I really hope you enjoy it, but any feedback is good. If you want to read any of my blogs, you can go to alanparry.com. That's spelled A-L-U-N parry.com. And you'll find all the past episodes of the podcast there as well. If you want to listen to any of my music, then you can go to parrysongs.co.uk. And since we're talking about meeting needs, one of the things that would really meet my need for appreciation 
is if you pop on over to iTunes and leave me a lovely five-star review for the podcast. That would be great. And something that would really meet my need for support is that if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do share the episode on your social networks so that you can spread the love. Now, remember, we're here every other Tuesday now that we're back into the swing of things after Christmas. So make a date in your diary and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening and bye.